Welcome to the podcast where you eavesdrop into conversations between my friends and I on a weekly basis. My name is Lily Jo, I'm a singer, songwriter and I perform shows all over the world. I'm a qualified counsellor and an emotional well-being coach. You can also check out my award-winning online mental health resource, The Lily Jo Project. I know you will find gems of wisdom within the conversations that I have with my friends. Hopefully you will find tools and resources that you can hold on to, try and test for yourself all around the important subject of mental health and personal development. I am so pleased to welcome you to today's episode of Eavesdrop. So it's amazing today to have Elena with us all the way from Massachusetts in the United States of America. And we're so pleased to have you. I know that it's early in the morning for you. It's late in the evening for me, but how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. We are loving the sunshine here in the UK right now. So I'm jealous. It's very <laughs> gloomy here. So send me your sunshine. Oh, I hope this conversation is full of sunshine and light today and that we get to have a really good conversation about what it means to self-care and mental health and all those kinds of things that we love to talk about here on Eavesdrop. Yeah, I'm excited to share whatever I've have learned over the last few years it's it's important stuff it's really important stuff and I think the COVID-19 pandemic has definitely highlighted the need for good self-care for good mental health and um, we've kind of realized all of us that we all have mental health it's not just the people that struggle with their mental health but we all have mental health and actually yes. it's just about thinking about well how good is my mental health am I struggling am I okay um, and so today we're going to talk about self-care and, and hope that we can inspire somebody out there to really look after themselves yes Amazing. So can you start by sharing with us your mental health journey and what brought you to um, creating your amazing website? Oh, thank you. Yes. So I'm a, a wife, a mom and a, a Boston Marathon bombing survivor. I've been sharing my journey with uh, PTSD on my blog and website, which is really just a PTSD resource. It's stillbloomingme.com. And I kind of, you know, I've, I've come about this all the hard way, basically. So uh, after the bombing, we went home to Arizona where we, where we live and we, I was just knee deep in being a mom. I had a three-year-old and a six-month-old and a a husband and we had our own business. And so life was just very busy. We were in the weeds and I, I was taking care of everyone around me and I really failed to take care of myself. And so about three years and four months after the bombing, I found myself living with severe acute PTSD symptoms. And um, these were not things that happened, you know, right at that point, they had been, I had been experiencing them since about the one year anniversary mark. And I had just been ignoring them, not, not really ignoring them. I should say I, I wasn't connecting what I was feeling to my trauma. And um, it just all kind of came to a head and I was voluntarily hospital hospitalized in August of 2016. So I'm coming up to my five-year anniversary of my hospitalization. 
Um, and gosh, from that point forward, I just really had to learn how to take good care of myself. If I wanted to be a part of this world and my children's lives and my own life, I needed to participate in a really active way in my own healing. And I, from that experience of being in the hospital, I just learned there that no one was going to fight for myself the way it needed to be done, that I needed to advocate for myself and, and, and do the work and put the puzzle together. So I just became the CEO of my own healing. And, um, and here I am today. It's not perfect. I mean, I still struggle, uh, but I've learned so much and I can cope so much better now um, with with all the tools that I have and resources that I have so wow that's amazing so what you're saying is that you went through this enormous trauma which at first you didn't recognize as being something that had affected you directly necessarily and then as the year went on you realized actually no this is hurting me and I am yeah. hurting and I'm in pain and then you ended up um experiencing those symptoms of PTSD so if there's somebody out there listening and they may have experienced a trauma and they have been carrying on a bit like you were they're a mom or they're busy or they've got other things going on and they're not necessarily recognizing the symptoms of PTSD mm -hmm. what were your symptoms would you mind sharing those yeah. so anyone listening can kind of definitely go, oh I feel that Mm hmm. Yes. So around, like I mentioned before, around the one year anniversary mark of the attack, uh, my, you know, the media was recovering all of the footage and, and kind of replaying everything. And my husband was really hooked to the, the footage. I, I guess I should kind of back up and explain my husband had been running that day of the marathon. I didn't really get into that before with you. So my husband was running and I was waiting for him at the finish line. He was about a mile and a half from finishing when the bombs went off. So he didn't experience what I experienced. He didn't see what I saw and all the things. So at that one year anniversary mark, he starts watching all the the footage and I start experiencing nightmares and not nightmares connected to the bombing. They were, they were horrific nightmares connected to people that I love in my own life. Mm -hmm. um, the kind of nightmares that jolted me awake, you know, in the middle of the night, I was having panic attacks in my sleep that, that were waking me up. So that's kind of how it first started for me was nightmares, sleep disturbances, and, um, and then that kind of ballooned into uh, severe anxiety in public places. So I wasn't able to eat in restaurants. I was having panic attacks at the grocery store, at Target, um, movie theaters were really difficult for me. So just any anything in public, you know, that's where my trauma happened. So that's kind of where I started to experience uh, those symptoms. And then, you know, I, I don't, there was just an overall sense of fatigue and not feeling well. And I didn't know if it was connected to my hormones because I had just had a baby and all the things. So there were so many symptoms that now looking back, I have the perspective of seeing like, these are huge PTSD symptoms. Um, but then I, I was just going through the motions of life, like you mentioned, and trying to take care of everybody. And um, I wasn't listening to what my body was telling me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that, because I think there will be people out there, even connected to the pandemic. Yes. Whereby they've been on a treadmill or they've been trying to fight for their businesses survival. Mm -hmm. They've had loved ones that they've lost or things along the way. And they might be a year on from that or six months on and be having some of those symptoms that you've described and not realize that that's connected to the trauma of the pandemic. So I just think it's really important that we hear firsthand what those symptoms were like for you. And I guess if you're just having those symptoms night after night and not necessarily Mm -hmm. knowing, well, is it me? Is it the babies? Is it Mm -hmm. what? You know, it's that not knowing and just kind of getting through each day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand then what triggers were. I didn't understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. So I was just going through life and encountering a lot of triggers and not being able to process them because I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I needed to do to take care of these things. And it was just very debilitating. Um, everybody and every body is different. So you have to understand that what I might have experienced might look different for others. But I think, you know, when you touch on the pandemic, I think going into the future, if if someone might experience like a trigger for someone who has gone through this time, you know, we've all collectively gone through it. But just your child coming down sick with something a a random virus or fever or something could trigger Mm -hmm. um the the trauma or the ptsd symptoms that this whole collective trauma has has created for us or it could be a financial hardship or Mm -hmm. um you know for medical professionals i really feel for them because they've been on the front lines of this and so they're going to be encountering things in their daily lives that will trigger those feelings too and it's going to look different for all of us yeah absolutely thank you so much for sharing that and i kind of feel like i want to say i'm sorry that you've had to go through all of those um days and nights of not really knowing what was going on but then i'm so pleased that you found that kind of solution and we're like ah it's kind of almost relieving to have a label for it isn't it and to go okay I'm just struggling with PTSD now let's get the help that we need to get this right and I think that's I wish it were that easy then (laughs) I mean I think I fought it for a really long time and I think once I embraced it and realized okay I need to accept this and embrace this into my life Mm -hmm. that's when the healing began because I really fought it yeah yeah and I love what you said before when you said I had to become the CEO of my Mm -hmm. own healing really my own well nobody else was going to advocate for me but myself and I think gosh that is such a powerful mic drop (laughs) because it's so true and especially as a mom I'm a mom of two myself okay yeah that you know you you become the last person I was away having a little retreat the last couple of days and kind of felt like a picture of like how as a mom you have like your own heart it's getting a bit deep but I love mm. it and then like for me I have three other hearts to look after mm. you know and it's like when you see a surgeon doing surgery like I'm, I'm a big fan of Grey's Anatomy oh. <laughs> it's not real I know so you see them like carefully handling the heart when they're doing a transplant and you're just like mm. wow they have to be so careful with that heart and I think I have to be careful with the hearts of the the people in my family but I also have to take care of my own heart and I oh, think yes 
it's just I love what you said there about being the CEO of your own life I think that's so important well I think you know when we get on an airplane and they go through like the worst case scenario what could happen if this plane has an emergency and they say you if you're a parent traveling with a child, you need to put your oxygen ma mask on first and then help assist your children. And I think we just, that should be a metaphor for our lives. We don't do that. We don't take care of ourselves. We just give, give, give. And then once we find ourselves in a, an emergency situation, like the body is telling us, take care of yourself, take care of yourself it's hard to then back away and put yourself first. Mm -hmm, it's very hard. Really difficult, but it sounds like you managed to do that, which is so exciting. So could you share with us some of your best or maybe your top three self-care practices, mm -hmm. the things that you do on a weekly basis that really do help you look after your heart? Oh, I do a lot, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but I... I get a lot of physical uh, activity. So if it's walking, I do a ton of walking and, and it's not just I put my earbuds in and I listen to music. I do a meditative walking practice where I aff use affirmations as I'm walking and I just repeat those to myself, whatever it is, whatever feels right and true for that day um, or whatever I need to hear, um, that's kind of what I repeat to myself. And after a while, I just start to believe it. It's crazy, but um, that has helped me so much. Um, but any way you can get your body moving, working out, you have to get those natural endorphins pumping because that's like the number one, one way you're going to feel better. Yeah. Is, is and that what does that do for you? You know, once you do that meditative walking, mm -hmm. when you come back from that, what do you feel like? Uh, I just feel like I can take better care of everyone around me. You know, I can really engage with my children, look in them, that look them in the eye, listen to their needs, meet their needs. Um, I'm just not as exhausted by by everyone else around me. I guess it's just very special alone time that I need. Um, and as you're yeah. saying that, I'm just feeling oh, that feels so lovely. <laughs> yeah, That's it's a so great cool. practice. Yeah, amazing. And you can that. do it with yoga. Yoga is another great way to take care of yourself and your body. Um, but I think in a meditative way or with those true intentions, you need to have the intention behind the practice to really get the benefit of what you're doing. Um, and then the second thing is taking my supplements, taking my medications. Um, medications are kind of new for me. I kind of hit a breaking point myself last year in November, I was like, I need more help. I need a little more balance and, and all the natural things I'm doing, I'm still really struggling. So um, again, I put my CEO cap on and um, reached back out to my psychiatrist. And so I've been working through some medication changes, but I think it's really important that we take our supplements, our vitamins, drink our water, take our medications and not feel any shame about those things. Um, it is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to take, to take what you need to take to, to feel that balance in your body. Wow. I think that's really important to note because I think we, I think there was a statistic that I read somewhere that it takes around 10 years for people who are struggling with anxiety to actually go and get help. Mm -hmm. 
10 years. So like, what would you say to someone who's listening today who is kind of on the edge and like you were in November, Mm. you know, they're kind of going, I don't know if I have a problem. I might have a problem. I'm not sure they've never been diagnosed. Mm. What would you say to them right now? Oh, just tap into your bravery, be courageous. It, It, every time I've asked for help, there have been wonderful, amazing people who are waiting and standing by to, to help me. And you don't have to be alone. You're not alone. So why go through those feelings alone? Mm -hmm. And mental health is such a lonely place to be. You're stuck in your head. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes sense to, to speak to someone who can help you through it. And if, you know, friends are great, a good support system around you is important too. I have an amazing husband. It's taken time for us to communicate about these things, but um, it's gotten a lot easier over the years. And I have a few very close friends that I also turn to just knowing who the right people are is part of the part of the dilemma, I guess, because you can have a lot of people in your life, but not the right people. Absolutely. I think it's important that you kind of know who's right to speak to for each part of your life. So I, for me recently, I've just kind of created myself a well-being plan for the month. And I've always, yeah, I'm excited about it. And I am definitely going to put it on my website at some point, but I've listed all the things in my world that help me to feel well and supported And I recognize that having counseling is important to me. Mm -hmm. Having someone to talk to about anything in the world is just so key. And I've got an amazing, like you, a really amazing supportive husband. But I just realized, why would I want to talk to him about all my Mm -hmm. stuff that's negative and hard? And I want our relationship to be full of things that are, you know, light and fun. And Mm -hmm. although you know, he's a brilliant listener and gives amazing advice. I just don't think that's his place when I can hire someone to do that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. I have a therapist too. I don't tell, but there are times when I need him to pick the kids up from school. I need him to make a meal. I need him to go to the grocery store and it's because I can't do it. I'm struggling. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, having that kind of support is important, but yes, having a therapist is so important too. And especially when you're on medications, it's really important to couple that uh, practice with the proper therapy. I, I see a trauma therapist. I'm in EMDR therapy. Um, but depending on what you're struggling with, there's, there are so many different therapies out there that are you know, practical or appropriate for what you're experiencing. So finding what what works is important. Definitely. And I think the other thing to think about if if you're listening out there right now and you're thinking, well, should I get a therapist or should I not get a therapist? I think it's important to note down what your goals are, like what your in terms of what your goals for therapy are, like, why do you feel like you need therapy? So for me, my goal would be, well, I need therapy because I want a safe space to talk openly about how I'm feeling on a day to day, week to week basis um, for my own offloading for my own self-care so that would be my goal I think it's important if you write that down if it's because you want to feel more peaceful or more calm or if it's because you want to feel more um 
in tune with yourself or or work through some stuff that's happened in the past whatever that is it's good to just write that down note why mm. so that when you speak to a therapist you can find someone who can do that for you who's happy to do that for you like you said you've got a trauma therapist and what was the other thing you said trauma therapist. oh uh, my psychiatrist too so it's okay. like I have a team of exactly. people who help me exactly. and um and I and to kind of touch on what you were saying it's important to find the right team because there are so many therapists out there, but not all of them are right for you. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when I was released from the hospital, they set me up with a trauma therapist and I just like, didn't really get the right feeling from her. It took, you know, and I just kept going. And then I had a few friends say, no, there are other people who do that. You need to find someone else. And so then that prompted me to get some you know, references and do more research and find someone. And I found someone who is amazing and I've been with her for almost four years. So if, if that connection isn't there initially, self-care is also recognizing that and getting the right person involved. You don't need to feel like you are going to offend a therapist. I think I always say to my clients, you know, if I'm not the right fit for you, honestly you have to be honest like there's tons more out there and I'll Mm. help you find the right person if it's not me Mm -hmm. so you know you can interview your therapist ahead you can have a phone call you can see if it works you can connect and see and if it doesn't connect Mm. then move on because there's nothing worse definitely paying for something that you don't actually find helpful um brilliant well thank you so much for sharing so much already I know that I don't want to keep you too long but um, are there any tools or things that you would suggest um, or any advice that maybe you would have given your younger self oh, if you could have had chance to, you know, with hindsight, go back and go, mm. hey, Elena, just so you know, like, this is the best advice. What would you say? Oh, I think learning how to take life one day at a time. I think it's very easy with depression and anxiety to feel um, you know, that fear that this is what the rest of your life is going to look like or feel like. Um, I have felt that many times. And in fact, many times this year, I felt that. Um, so I think recognizing that we only take life one day at a time and focusing only on that day is very important. I wish I would have learned that as a younger person, because I think it would have helped me get through this time in my life much better and then just learning to be uh, gentle with myself I I'm very hard on myself I always have been I think as women we a lot of us are you know our internal dialogue is just hard we're never enough we're never pretty enough Mm -hmm. um skinny enough whatever it is that you struggle with and whatever you're telling yourself that's that's what you believe and so I think learning to be more gentle with myself and just love myself more um, would have been great advice (laughs) for the younger Elena. And these are the things now that I've learned and that I teach my kids. Um, I teach my kids because I'm trying to break this cycle with them. Mm -hmm. So I have a daughter who's 11. She's going through a lot right now. And I'm trying to teach her, be gentle with yourself, sweetheart. Love yourself. You're beautiful. Say these things to yourself. Um, so yeah, that's what I would teach myself. The same things I'm trying to teach her right now. Well, that's really beautiful, wise advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So can you tell the listeners 
if they're interested in finding out a little bit more about you and your story, you have an amazing comprehensive website with lots of tools and tips and things. Could you just talk us through where we can find you and how we can connect with you? And I just love people to kind of get get more involved in what you're doing and find out more. Yeah, so my I mentioned it before, my website is stillbloomingme.com. It's a PTSD resource. I share my PTSD journey there. But if you have anxiety or depression or other mental health challenges, it's a great place to stop and find some tools that I've loved, that I've used, or apps that I love and use. Um, I just kind of share it all there. And it's always changing, so I'm always adding new things. Um, and then I'm pretty active on Instagram, so my handle there is at stillbloomingme. Amazing. Well, I'm sure lots of people listening today will be heading right there now. <laughs> and thank you so much for using your pain and turning it into something that we can all learn from. I think that's such a beautiful trait that you've obviously got within you that has gone... I've gone through this horrible event, this horrible trauma, and I've really struggled, but I am going to still give back. I'm going to share what I've learned. I'm going to bless other people. And I just think that's such a amazing gift and legacy that you've given to the world. So thank you for putting your time and your energy and your effort into that. Mm -hmm. So other people like us can learn from you and your story and hopefully um, grow with you and bloom with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, you know, this has been hard, but I feel like if I can give some light to other people, it gives my pain some meaning. So Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it has brought light to my afternoon. So thank you so thank much you. for being with us today. And, no problem. Uh, hopefully we'll connect soon. Thanks, Elena. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, why not share with your friends? Please check the description box below for extra links and further information to some of the topics discussed in today's episode. Also, you'll find information about what's coming next. For further information, top tips and advice on all kinds of mental health issues, including low mood, anxiety, self-harm, eating disorders and more, please do check out www.thelilyjoeproject.com. You can find my music across all digital platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. See you next time.